You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Uh, welcome to Fight in Progress. We're back here at the holiday season. Under the Shield presents oh, sorry. Fight in Golly. Progress. Again, this is why Tom's here, because <laughs> yep. I can't keep it all straight. But it's Susan Simmons here with TomTheBomb.com, <laughs> also known as oh, no. <laughs> Ponch from Chips, because <laughs> he wore those shiny killer boots yes. for 27 years. <laughs> you had to bring the boots in one day. We'll take a All picture right. of them and, and get Jay to post a picture yeah. of your killer boots. We could always put it on Facebook or something. That's true. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, anyway, we have a special guest today, somebody very near and dear to me. That unfortunately we haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah, it's been a few years, actually, but a couple of years, maybe. He's one of my favorites yep. and yeah. has quite a quite a story to share. And we're gonna let him kind of dictate how much of his career he tells us about. And, oh, I'll spill it all, whatever you need to know. <laughs> he uh now Eddie, is, she did say that you're one of her favorites, but she says that to everyone. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That yeah. is not true. I, I've listened. I've I've only listened to a couple of the podcasts so far, and you're absolutely right. Yeah, that is not everybody true. on the everybody on the podcast is one of her favorites. That's so not don't, true. don't don't think I don't know. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm right. hip to those kind of things, right. man. Yeah, that's not yeah. true. Yeah. I get it. I get it. There may have been a few, but anyway. <laughs> okay, he is my favorite. How's oh, that? Okay. I don't think right. I've wow. said that. Yeah, I don't, I you've never said, said that. that. No. At least so, today. Yeah. Exactly. That's, For this morning, yes. Hey, it's always subject to yes, change. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Yep, absolutely. So give us a little background on you and how you got into this crazy industry you were uh, in. And... Let's see. I started, well, I was a respiratory therapist in That's Texas. Right. My wife's a NICU nurse. I forgot about that. Uh, we met in the hospital back in 92-ish. I uh, got married in 93 uh, after being uh, RT for 10 years, I got kind of burned out with healthcare and uh, was just kind of disgruntled with my work. And I was always on call and it was just kind of a... a kind yeah, of, whoa, 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 yeah, no, whoa, I know. Hold whoa. on. This will this this <laughs> lead... He had this, no idea yeah, what he was getting this'll, into. This will lead into where I ultimately wound up. But I was I was just always on call. I was always at work. And I'm like, man, there's mm. this is... And this making just, money. I was making really good money. Yes. Um, you know, we were living in El Paso, so the cost of living down there is nothing. So I mean we were we had a good life. Um, <laughs> you screwed it I'm up. sitting I'm sitting <laughs> I'm sitting in our living room. Actually it was our kitchen, uh reading the paper, Sunday paper back when they had those. The and, light bulb came and, on. I, and and I opened the Sunday paper and there's a criminal justice job fair. In, in El Paso, they had a job fair for criminal justice, um, like the, the next coming week. And I, I lifted my head, my wife sitting, Laura sitting across from me. I'm like, hey, there's a criminal justice job fair. And it looks like Scottsdale PD's hiring. 
you know, I should go down there and get an application. Just joking around. Because uh-huh. we used to come to Phoenix a couple times a year for vacation and the races. And so we were up here. Was Texas home for you guys? It was, yeah. Okay. I was born in El Paso. I lived okay. all over the country, but uh, I lived all over Texas. My wife was born in Eagle Pass, Texas, and then ultimately moved to El Paso. Um, she was pretty much in El Paso her whole life. But I was all over. I was, yeah, all over everywhere. So I just kind of joked around because I had kind of a... My history with law enforcement up to that point was not that great. I used to I used to race cars a lot when I was in high school, so I wasn't a big fan of police officers, but I was always respectful because I was raised that way. So I'd get pulled over. It was always yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, but I just didn't have... Till they uh, walked away. Yes, anyway. then it, correct, yes. And left you with a piece correct, of paper. Correct, yes. And I had a lot of those pieces of paper. Uh, so when I joke to my wife i'm like i should you know i should get an application for scottsdale and apply for pd up there and she looked at me and she's like first off that's comical because (laughs) no police department's ever going to hire you based on your past you know and second you know you're just going to quit your job working you know in a nice air-conditioned hospital to go be a police officer and i'm like well, yeah, I think I can do it. She's like, you're never going to, they'll never hire you. I'm like, okay, watch this. What? So <laughs> it was basically a dare. Yeah, I went to the criminal wow. justice job fair. I, I walked in, I found the Scottsdale booth. Uh, the guy was not real friendly. I don't know how to put that, but he didn't come off to me. I mean, he wasn't friendly with me at all. And I just got a bad taste. I'm like, well, that kind of sucked. I, it was kind of a waste of time. So I turned around, maybe my, maybe my wife's right. You know, maybe this isn't, you know, going to happen. And They'd already and, run his background. Yeah, they already, they already knew who I was before I got in the building. Um, so I started walking out, and I see Mesa, the booth, just to my left. And I'm like, I know that's somewhere in the Phoenix area. I don't exactly know where it's at, but I know it's somewhere yeah. in the Phoenix area. I've heard I'll go the talk. Name. Yeah, I've heard the name. I'll go talk to him. So I went and talked to the officer. His name's Rico. He, was, he still actually works for Mesa. Really? Great guy. Uh, he's like... He basically sold me on the department. He's like, look, man, you'd be a good fit. You're, you're older. I was 31 at 32 at the time. Uh, he's like, you know, well, we're coming down in like two weeks. We're doing the first three phases of our testing, the written, the oral, and the background interview all in one weekend down here in El Paso. So you wouldn't even have to go up there. And I'm like, hot damn, man, sign me up. So I got an application. <laughs> took it home my wife's like you know you're crazy (laughs) they're never gonna hire you you know this is you know you're just wasting your time i'm like oh yeah watch this and (laughs) so i filled it out did the first three parts of testing got through that um i was like i can't even i was amazed i got through that but i got through the first three phases and then uh it was probably a month and a half afterwards didn't hear anything for about about a month and a half i get a phone call from the hiring people in mesa they're like hey we're going through your packet. You know, everything was great at the interview and, you know, you passed the written the background interview. We're going through all that. Um, you told us that, you know, you had a lot of tickets when you were younger and I'm like, yeah, you know, but I've been married and haven't had a ticket in like six, seven years. And, you know, I've matured. I was, I was a dumb kid back then. <laughs> and, uh, they're like, well, that's all fine and dandy, but you've got an outstanding warrant for your arrest <laughs> in Wilcox, Arizona, and your license is suspended in Arizona. And I'm like, uh, well, how can that be? You know, I'm like, I, I remember getting a ticket in Wilcox, Arizona back in 1989 and this was 98. And I'm like, but I could have swore I paid that ticket. You know, I mean, I would have told you if I didn't pay yeah. it. And they're like, well, it still shows as an active warrant and 
and you oh, got to you've got to take care of this before we can go any further. So I call and actually talk to the judge in Wilcox. He's like, I can't even believe it's still in the system. <laughs> He's like, I'll we'll quash the warrant. I'll send you a letter that you can forward to Mesa. And uh, so I you got that. I forward that to the hiring uh, department in Mesa, and then uh, paid the twenty five or thirty dollars, whatever it was, to get my license reinstated. <laughs> and I called, and then again, yeah. my wife's like, "See, I told you, you know, <laughs> this, this is never going to happen." You're and lucky then, you didn't go to Mesa. Yeah, exactly. I would have got arrested. So yeah, you're right. I actually, would have got arrested. Been funny. Yeah, no, that wouldn't have been funny. But so, so I took care of that, and then didn't hear anything for the longest time. Now, and how then, many were in that? In El Paso, actually, there was probably oh man, five six hundred people testing for that. Back in the good old days, yeah. And, and what and, year was this? And this was in ninety. I it probably started the testing. It was probably late ninety eight, okay. early okay. ninety nine, and there was probably and they were Mesa was going all over the United States testing because they could not find enough applicants in Arizona, so they were going everywhere. Wow. Um, so out of that five or six hundred that tested in El Paso. You know, I I don't know how, but I was the only one out of that whole group that actually made it through the testing process and actually got hired from that whole group. See, I was thinking it was And a, you had a warrant. And I had a warrant, yeah. I was thinking it was a ruse to find, yeah. to find all the people without yeah, standing yeah. tickets and warrants. Don't think I didn't think about that, too. But So, you know, I, I didn't hear anything for a while. And then Laura and I, you know, I'm like, I'm getting, you know, we need to change up. We need to do something because I'm just... I'm just miserable down here. So we decided, and, I, and she always says I pushed her, but we decided to move up here. Um, just so in case, just or no, you just just, really just liked? yeah, we just like the Phoenix area. So so we came up here. We applied. She applied with Phoenix Children's, and and I, f- I applied with Banner downtown, and and they offered us jobs, and they were really short on nurses in the NICU, so they offered to pay for our move, which wow. was really nice. We put all of our stuff in storage. We sold our house in a couple of days. Um, we moved into an apartment in Ahwatukee and started working. And two weeks after I got here, I get a call from the Mesa hiring guy and he's like, Hey, are you still interested in being a police officer? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right, man, uh, this was Monday. I get this phone call on Monday. He's like, okay, uh, the Academy starts Thursday. Oh, geez. So tomorrow I need you to go to the, do your psych, do your medical, do your, uh, PT exam. Um, and, and go through them. And he's like, if you pass all those things tomorrow, oh, and you got to do your polygraph. And if you pass all those things, then you can start in the Academy on Thursday. I'm like, what am I supposed to tell my boss? I'm working. I just started this job two <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah. Your Correct. Yes. Um, so I, Tuesday, luckily it was my day off. I went and did all that stuff. It was a long day. He calls me Wednesday morning. He's like, yeah, everything looks good. You know, show up Thursday or tomorrow morning. So I called my boss Wednesday evening. I'm like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to have to put in my notice or I'm going to have to quit because I got offered a job for PD. They're like, all right, when's your last day? I'm like, well, it was actually Sunday. You know, it was <laughs> last Sunday. I got to start tomorrow. And, and they weren't real happy, but, you know, she understood. And, and yeah, so I started the academy that Thursday. It was like a pre-academy Thursday, Friday. And then the actual academy started on Monday. So, so let me get this straight. We're unhappy in a job paying really good money. Really good money, yeah. <laughs> because we're always on call. Correct, yes. 
Working lots of hours. Working lots of hours. To take a job that pays less. Correct, yes. That still requires you to work a lot of hours. I didn't realize that so much at the time, but yes. Holidays, Not At the the academy, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but that's where they suffered. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Just just wanted to make sure. They made it seem it was going to be, you know, a four Uh day a week job and, you know, you go home and, and initially that's in in patrol. That's kind of what it is. You know, you work your four days and you're off for three days. You don't take any work home with you and. So you have and, to work those you, extra days to make the money correct, that wasn't yeah, even close yeah, to what so, you were already yeah, making. Correct. And now yeah. you also moved to a higher living correct. standard. Correct. Yeah, there's, yes. yeah there's, <laughs> we're living in an apartment. My wife had to, she had to start on a uh, graveyard shift because, you know, she's a new, I mean, she'd been a nurse for 11 years, but because we're new here, she had to start sure. on graves. She'd never worked a graveyard shift in her life. Oh, so she was, you know, not sleeping. She was miserable for the first, you know, a year and a half, two years. And ultimately, we found a house not far from here, about a mile from where you live. Um, so we moved out of the apartment, moved in a house while we were still in the academy, doing that whole moving. And and uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was eye opening. My first couple of checks, my wife's like, "Really? You know, this, this is what's the rest? Of yeah, it? this this is what you're going to bring to the table?" And is I'm this like, a "Joke?" Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, "Well, you know, it's, it'll get better once I get out of the academy." And, and so let me uh, put it this way: Eddie is yeah. my poster child yeah. for what I say about men. Yeah, oh, born stupid, yeah. simple, stupid, whatever yeah. you want to say. Yeah, and that all cops are crazy, not yeah. mentally ill. Because yeah. I don't even think a mentally ill person yeah. would make that kind of decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you're definitely called to this industry. Yeah, and it was. Deep down, I always wanted to be in law enforcement, even though, like I said, when I was younger, I I, I didn't care for law enforcement. But that, but that, you grow up, and that was my fault. You know, I, I was the dumb kid at that time. and, and Just because law enforcement ruined your fault. Yeah, yeah, it was it was absolutely right. <laughs> you, you wanted know, I'm to getting, ruin other people's I'm, You know, I'm getting, I'm getting a bunch of tickets, and, you know, it was, you know, it, it was, yeah, it, it just kind of, you're right, ruined my fun. And, and uh, but deep down, I always thought it would be a fun job and something that I would enjoy doing. And, and I grew up, you know, all mostly in El Paso, but you know, pretty poor and, and, uh, you know, no law enforcement, in the no, family. absolutely not. No law enforcement family, no military. My grandfather was in the military, but other than that, there was no military or anything. So it was, uh, something kind of deep down that I always wanted to do, but never thought I would. And at that time, you know, my wife kind of dared me to do it, and and ultimately, and she dared you to do anything since. Then. I don't think it's not like that. No, she's never. Yeah, she hasn't done that again. I think that that backfired on her yeah. just a little, just a little bit. But, Especially when y'all yeah, hear his career. Yeah, yeah, how this thing yeah, went. yeah, and the punishment I put her through for 19 years. She she's like, oh, thanks a lot. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, so I mean, ultimately, it all worked out. You know, I got a job, and and uh, I'll say right from the get go. Uh, other than the last year of my working for the city, uh, I never considered that a job, not one day. Sure. I mean, there were days there were just miserable days, but sure. I had never one day ever considered it a job. Sure. It was always, uh, you know, fun. It was always something I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed being around the people I was around. Yes. Um, and it just, you know, and Laura's like, you know, she's jealous of the fact that I could come home and she's like, it's, it's like you weren't even at work all day. I'm like, it really isn't, you know, it's, and it's, and then I didn't really notice it or didn't, I mean, you, you know it, but, and then when I ultimately retired and went to work part-time for a year or so, 
I got a quick eye opening, like working with people in the civilian world. I have never been around more, more bitchy, whiny, <laughs> unhappy, uh, you know, oh my gosh, you know, life is, you know, it sucks. I can't believe I got to come to work for nine hours or eight hours and work. And, yeah. and I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, I mean, I, you know, there were days we worked 30, 35 hours, you sure. know, two or three days without going home. Sure. You know, never complained. I'd go home, get two hours sleep, come right back to work. Yeah. Not one complaint. Enjoyed every minute. And I got, now I'm working with people that are mad because their coffee is no good or, or, and they you have know, to work eight hours and they have to work eight hours, yeah. you know, and inside, inside, <laughs> you know, they get, they still get weekends me. off. And I'm yeah. just like, Oh yeah. my gosh, you know, you guys. It, so I was like, I can't, you know, just being around and I loved all those people, but it was just, it's eye opening that I'm so, I was just lucky. I was just, sure. uh, I was, you know, I was in a career that I love to do. And well, when you're doing what you're called to do, cause this is what I say at under the shield. There are days that are hard, yeah. but I love what I do. So right. even though I work seven days a week, I don't work. Yeah. I really don't work cause yeah. I do love what I do. Yeah. There are days I'd like to beat y'all with this red man yeah, stick. Yeah, oh, I get know, it. Sometimes yeah. that's actually pleasurable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. I have friends who go, it's really interesting, Susan. You get great pleasure pissing off people who carry guns. And I go, well, yeah, I've seen them shoot. Yeah, you're Not fine. this guy. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it, and it's yeah, funny to watch you. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, one I'm yeah, a, little, yeah, a little more cautious Yeah, you're with. fine now. <laughs> I'm a victim like everybody else right now. So, you know, it's funny because my daughter... Uh, she's a senior in high school. She wants to be in law enforcement. Oh, so and it drives my wife crazy. She's like, going to nursing. You yeah. know, it's 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 so much safer. And, and what you do know, you say? And I told her, hey, you do anything you want to do. Even you know, in today's environment, even, and, you and can she knows it. it. She's she's seen. She was with me growing up and going through the shootings and bringing home all the crash cars and and sure. I mean, she's seen it all. And she hears, you know, now she's older. She she knows all the stories and oh, yeah. and and. And she knows, she sees how things are different and how things have changed. And, and, but I still tell her, I'm like, look, you know, it, it's, it's, she's been on a ride along. She actually loved it. And, and I said, but it's your life. You, you do what you want to do. If, yeah. if this, she wants to do something that, you know, she, she wants to be outside. She wants to be, you Gives know, her purpose. Yeah. And, uh, has she done the ride along at Mesa? Or she, she did. Yeah. Okay. She did a ride along with Mesa. It was probably two months ago Okay, and she loved it. You know, and I'm like, all right, we'll go to college. So she's going to go to college. Uh, she's going to ASU. Um, when she gets out there, then I'm like, hopefully I can steer you something on the federal <laughs> side, you know, yes. marshals or, yes. or FBI or secret service, something, mm-hmm. Uh, on the Fed side, sure. you know, I still have a lot of good contacts there. So sure. when she gets out, then hopefully that's an option. If she decides she wants to work for local police, then that's her decision. Tell her and, to pick up a foreign language, and she will be gold yeah, yeah. to the You feds. would think, you know, my wife speaks Spanish, but you well, know, I mean, I'm was, even talking yeah, about Farce yeah, or yeah, Farsi or any of the other, yeah, right? Yeah. Because they'll all sc- yeah. scoop her up. Yeah. So, so it's her decision. But if that's you know, I 100 percent support whatever she wants to do. So. And she's a great kid and got a good head on her shoulders and makes good decisions. So. And I know who's going to be teaching her how to shoot. Yeah. It's going to well, be daddy. Yeah. I was always a much better driver than I was a shooter, but yeah. I don't know. You yeah, tend yeah, to, to yeah, succeed yeah. at both. Let's yeah, let's put it, put it that way. way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was at the right place at the right time. Yes, you were. So, yeah. so. so how long did you spend in patrol? I did uh, about six years in patrol. Okay. Uh, got in one, uh, shooting and patrol 
Then I went to the gang unit for five years. Now, was that shooting in patrol fatal? It was fatal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, went to the gang unit for almost five years. Uh, got into shooting on the gang unit, which was not fatal. That was Lieutenant Shoe Handler's, uh, the Gilbert officer here, yes. got into that. Uh, that wasn't fatal. But And then uh, went to nar- narcotics for two years. Uh, got into shooting uh, on narcotics. Or na- on narcotics. Uh, that one also wasn't fatal. And then got picked up by the task force and uh, ultimately four shootings on the task force. And the moral to this is what I learned when I moved out here in 2012. And I'm asking, who do I have to go to for my concealed carry permit? And they're looking at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. And they go, huh? And I said, you know, the CCW to carry. And they're like, "Uh, no, welcome to the Wild West. Yeah. Yeah. Come to this area. They will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's changed a little bit now at the PDs because they're not, they're kind of frowning on some of the shootings, but, um, it, you know, to each his own, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know, the last, last years have definitely, and then ultimately that last year of my employment was kind of when things started to kind of take a turn. Mm -hmm. I want to say, you know, myself and, and Mike were the guinea pigs for how departments here kind of looked at officers who were involved in multiple shootings. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. But some of that is also the nature of the job, I mean, especially with the task force. Yeah, yeah. You're, See, you're and, like and, you were yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You know, so, and shoot. Give me a break. And and man, you, you're not, you're telling me I I had this conversation many many times with you know the people who were ultimately responsible for making a decision for me leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, you know where we are, uh, you know, on the task. I mean, it really didn't matter where I was at. And again, I know, you know, I'm sure people have told you this before. I didn't, I didn't wake up in the morning and decide, you know, Hey, I'm going to go get in a shooting today. Right. That's, that's just not, you know, I'm a pretty religious person. My wife's extremely religious and her family. And, and I was always, Hey, you know, God puts me where he puts me. And, and, and if I happen to be in that spot, you know, then I'm grateful I was there and was able to, to act and do what I was supposed to do. Um, if not, then I'm okay with that also, but. And we know statistically when you're in one, you're going to be at a much higher risk of being in others. And, you know, part of that I think is, like I've had this conversation with Mark Valenzuela, who's been on our show, who was retired Phoenix. And a lot of Mark's behavior afterwards, I've got this with another cop out West, who's now been in three and 12 months. And I think the people that have done it almost put themselves instead of others having to do it in a situation where, because they know they can do it and don't necessarily want somebody else To, to have, have to, to do it. Experience and experience the aftermath. Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, I mean, you know, you, it was, it's funny. When I got in my first shooting, um, it tore me up. My first shooting, I, I will be honest and I tell everybody this. I wasn't mentally prepared for my first shooting. Sure. You know, they tell you in the academy, you know, you may, uh, you know, you may get in a shooting. You may, I mean, you'll get in a lot of fights and, you know, people will want to hurt you. But, you know, you, you may get in a shooting, you kind of, you know, they talk about it a little bit, but uh, I used to do training at the academy, and my training was much different. My training was you—you you are going to get. It's—it's it's a matter. It's not a matter of if; it's a it's matter when, of when. when okay, sure. 
Um, so I just wasn't, I wasn't mentally prepared for it. And when it happened, it, it screwed me up for probably four or five months. I was not a real good person to be around. And um, that's the fault of training too, because, oh, absolutely. and this yeah. is why Mark Valenzuela is so invaluable to us. And you've spoken at the yeah. Academy with yeah. me before yeah. at Mesa, but because people will talk about the tactical side of their shooting but rarely do people talk about the aftermath yeah, of it. So yeah. nobody knows what the norm is. Yeah. So, so it was funny. I had a seasoned officer come up to me a couple of weeks after the shooting and he had been in a shooting or two. I don't remember, but he's like, welcome to the club, you know? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, welcome to the, you know, obviously shooting club. And he's like, it sounds like I'm saying, you know, hey, welcome. He's like, but I'm telling you, it's it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, right. you're you're. This is this is yeah. This isn't this isn't a part a club that you want to be a part of. Right. And and so going through that, you know, obviously being around other officers, and I don't know if you really think about, you know, I I would rather put myself out there in front of them, or so they didn't have to, but you certainly don't want them to go through. Um. What, what kind of what through? I what I've been through, yeah, and and not every officer will, um, but some do, and and uh, you know some officers get in multiple shootings, and never have an issue with their first two or three shootings, or one or two shootings, and then their last shooting is the one that really you know sends them spiraling. So it's it can be any event, you know, it's just sure. uh, right. a matter of you know when and if it happens. But well, and you've heard me talk about the psychological garbage can yeah, too. Yeah. It it depends on what resources are available to you to process through shootings. Yeah. Or do they just stack up in that psychological garbage can? Yeah. And our department at the time was horrendous with dealing with officers involved in shooting. They just you you went to a psychologist uh you know and and 3 or 4 days later you're back at work and um I would like to say it got better over time, but it really did. I think it got worse over time. It kind of started to get better, and then it fell off a cliff and completely, you know, annihilated itself as far as how they deal with. And they still don't have, even to this day. Um, I mean, I, from what I've been told, I mean, it's it's not any better now than it was when I left. So, well, it's yeah. because, and again, this is something we hammer on it under the shield. Um, we just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yes. We keep expanding peer yeah. support. We keep yeah. expanding the license, and they can't, for the life of them, understand what we can contribute as educators. Yeah, that falls in between the two groups. Yeah, it's not about eliminating; it's about we got to bring more to the table yeah. for yeah. people to have those options. Yeah, when when I was it was probably my fifth shooting. I started hearing rumblings about you know the department you know, being concerned that this was my fifth shooting and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and, and, uh, there were some higher ups above me that were like, you know, we've got to reach, you know, I'm not the only officer in the Phoenix area that's been in multiple shootings. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm personally close friends with, you know, two or three others, sure. but Scottsdale Phoenix has several officers that oh, have yes. been in quite a few shootings. So this isn't, there were people you know, that I won't name, but there were people in the department that thought I was some sort of anomaly. And I'm like, I get it. It's not, maybe it may, it's so. not, yeah, it's not something that you see all the time, but I'm not an anomaly. There's other officers just in the right. Valley here that have gone through this. Um, so 
they were, there were talks that, you know, we need to reach out to bigger departments, you know, NYPD, Los Angeles, some of the bigger departments that obviously have officers that have been involved in multiple shootings. And how are they dealing with this? Um, Because maybe there's something we could be doing better. And I'm like, that's a absolute fabulous idea. (laughs) You know, you guys should do something like that because maybe you can get some insight on how to deal with officers that have been in multiple shootings. And to this day, they have still not ever reached out to any other department in the nation nope. and try to come up with a, a, a way of, <laughs> of mitigating the problems that they're having, mm-hmm. you know, when an officer gets in more than one shooting. You sure. Know? And, and, you know, when you're in high-risk jobs like you were doing, yeah. the, the odds just go up tremendously. Well, yeah, and the, and the task force. Yes. I, I, was in, I was on four shootings on the task force. Our, our task force would... The whole time I was there, we were in two shootings a year, pretty much mm-hmm. every year the whole time I was there. Now, our task force is 15 guys. Still. Um, you know, but it's just, even with 15 guys, you're almost guaranteed to get in at least one shooting a year. Sure. You know, maybe one shooting every other year. But because of the driving aspect that I was involved in, and so I was always at the front. Yes. Um, or towards the front which always put me kind of right there. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah. um, you know, it was just, it was, it was going to happen more frequently than not. You know, can you tell us what the mission <clears> of <throat> the task force was that you were on? I don't know if you want to know it. <clears throat> it was um, the Marshall's violent offender task force, the East Valley, uh, violent offender task force for the Marshall's. So the people you're going after are known. We to are be the people and, and each, <clears throat> each task force, that. The city has uh, two different uh, branches. They have a West Valley and they have an East Valley. Um, They're kind of run differently. Mm -hmm. Um, Our East Valley task force, we handled all the violent crime that happened in the East Valley. Mm -hmm. So except excluding Gilbert, because Gilbert didn't really want to participate. But we We don't have violent criminals. (laughs) Come on, Eddie. I live in Gilbert. So do I. So do I. Yeah, I know. We don't. Correct. Yeah, it's it's still a town. It's not even a city. Correct. Um, nothing against Gilbert PD. I know many Gilbert P officers and, and love them to death, man. You know, but uh, so for some reason they didn't want to be part of the task force, which, which was so we had uh, generally fifteen people on the task force. So we had five or six detectives from Mesa. Uh, we had always two or three marshals. We had two DOC detectives. Uh, we had a Chandler detective. We had a Temp- Tempe detective. Um, every now and then we had somebody from probation and ATF, but they would kind of come and go, uh, I'm trying to think else. Yeah. And I think that group just got in a shooting. Yeah. They just are. Yeah. That squad. Yeah. It was probably a month ago, right by the airport. Yeah. So, uh, so there was a big group of us and then we had a, a Mesa sergeant and we had a Mesa lieutenant and then we had a marshal's supervisor and we all rode as one big happy family. There was no rear. There was never half the guys at the office. Our supervisors, our lieutenant was out with us all the time. Our sergeant was out with us all the time. The marshal supervisor, I mean, we were, when if we were out, we were out in a group. And our responsibility, again, any violent crime, when I say violent crime, homicide, home invasion, kidnapping, uh, anything violent where the city got information, yeah, this is our target, they would give us the information and we would go get them. Mm-hmm. Now, 90% of the time, the people we were going after were career criminals, 
who did had no ambition to go back to prison. Exactly. Um, and a lot of them were, you know, they they were not going to go back to prison, and they had it set in their minds, and and uh, they were going to do whatever they had to to keep that from happening. So we went after the worst people on the planet. Sure. Who still had the option? Put their hands up, cooperate. Oh, abso- absolutely. Yeah. And everything yeah, will be fine. Absolutely. And and uh, you know, it's just uh, when you go after those kind of people, um, which was ultimately my. I mean, I loved patrol. I loved, you know, the gang unit was uh, just incredible and loved my time there. And I loved being our narcotics. Uh, but the task force was a different level. You're, you're making a difference, getting the worst people right. off of the street. Absolutely. The people that, that need to be off the, the people street. that need to be, I mean, I was never a ticket writer. I was never, uh, you know, I, I just. One of those assholes in motors <laughs> that were killer. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm no. not going to say that. <laughs> no. you know, everybody. I was feeling sorry <laughs> for you. No, no, you know. no, no. She never said a ticket writer. No, no, no. She said that. Uh, I it's never. True. It's all true. I was, I was never. Um, I mean, I would obviously write tickets, but you know, I, I, but you wouldn't sit set up in the you woods, know, you know, you know, hiding. And yeah. She's trying to set me up here. You know, it, 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 uh, I think it's entrapment when the motor. Yeah. Gets you. I, I, I've been on the receiving end of that a few times. Yeah. So it, That's it debatable. was, yeah, yeah. whatever you hide wherever you want. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it, it was, you know, I always felt you know, it always, I had a good feeling because we were uh, just getting, I mean, people that were seriously, you know, yes. hurting innocent people, civilians, other offs. I mean, it was just, you know, and to get those people off the street and put away where they need to be, you yes. know, it was, it was important to all of us on the task force. Right. Sure. And, you know, it was a, it was a close knit family. Yes. You know, we met several times a year. The families all got together you know, it was not, you know, none of us were party animals. We didn't, none of us went to, I mean, we weren't hanging out at bars. It was, you know, it was our job and her, and Laura knew it, you know, sure. our, my job was, it didn't take precedence over my family. Right. I mean, I never missed any of my daughter's, you know, sporting cheer events, anything like that. I was always, I would always leave work if I was at work. My mm-hmm. boss, Jalen would be like, you know, just, if you got to leave, go, you know, and I would go to the event and I'd come back to work, but Laura just understood that, you know, the chances of me going to bed at or being home at six or seven o'clock at night was probably never going to happen. Sure. And the chances of if I did get home at nine or ten o'clock at night, the chances of me being able to sleep till six or seven in the morning to go back to work the next day probably wasn't going to happen. I sure. was going to get a call at midnight and and have to be at work. And and uh, she, you know, Laura, you know, love of my life. I, she's the one that you know, supported me and, and allowed me to do that. And, and, uh, but so you I, I feel, staying home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Then yeah. she was like, yeah, yeah. can you yeah. get that job you, back? You need to go back to work, buddy. Let's see if we get yeah. you another job. Yeah. In Phoenix or somewhere. So it, it just felt good making a difference. Or at least sure. I thought, and, right. and I'm not naive, and you were. believe me, I'm not naive enough to sit here and think I, you know, I solved our, you know, any kind of, or I, made a huge difference and now crime is different than it was i'm, I'm the crime Which, crime is always going to be every absolutely. day it's, yeah it's the, but you still made a hell of an impact absolutely. by getting those violent offenders off the yeah. street look yeah. at the sad today. thing yeah. look look at today <clears throat> now we want to release everybody and cut them well, loose yeah, that's yeah all of that kind of stuff and what's crime doing it's going yeah. up yeah, and we need yeah. more policing back to what 
yeah. y'all used to do, yeah. and it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, it's it's difficult to see. It's it's obviously difficult to witness, and sure. you know the. I understand there there are people in jail or prison that that uh, shouldn't be there for twenty years for sure. whatever crime they committed. I I you know I get that. I understand that. Sure. But there are violent people that that should never see the light of day, and exactly. and, and to see those people you know released on bond on a $500 bond and then kill two or three people three days later because they're out on a $500 bond. That's what's, that's like up in New York where there's no, I mean, they're out without bail or anything and they're punching these elderly people in the face. Really? That's what you do for fun. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's definitely taken a turn in the wrong. And maybe I'm hoping at some point it'll turn back around. It has to. I think we're seeing the ship turn, but it's just a wide turn. Yeah, it takes time. back going in the right direction. It's a big ship, so. It is a huge one (laughs) that grew a lot the last year. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's, uh, but I never want you to feel like, because I hear this from law enforcement a lot, And I get the frustration of feeling like you don't really make enough of a difference. But well, when you look at what <clears throat> one of those that you apprehended, shot, whatever had to happen, happened, that they had some contributory factors to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, how many people they could have injured, mm. killed, right. raped, oh, yeah. Yeah. whatever. And, yeah. and then you look at all of their families yeah. impacted. Yeah. You know, y'all... Y'all made a huge difference. Yeah, you have no yeah. idea yeah. how far reaching, right? Yeah. How yeah. far down the line it goes. Yeah. Sure. And and the task force, our task force. I mean, we were nationally recognized. I mean, we were responsible for getting a lot of bad people off the streets every year. And and uh, you know, the marshal here, wonderful guy, and he is super outstanding. super grateful for everything we did, and Very was supportive. always absolutely, you know, a hundred percent supportive even through my you know drama for the last year he was supportive he's like you know i can't believe it and i don't understand it but i didn't work for the marshals you know i worked for the city of mesa so it was sure so i have a question for you now you said that after your first shooting um that that affected you yeah pretty extensively yes several months Mm -hmm. afterwards what did you learn after your first shooting that helped you process things in the subsequent yeah. well i know from the first shooting um right after it happened I, I mean it was basically a suicide by cop okay so he uh had gone <clears throat> excuse me he had gone uh to a store in mesa and shot an employee at a store in the arm not intending to kill him but just intending to get police to respond um, ultimately the guy died from the wound, oh, wow. uh, about an hour later. So, but he shot the individual, walked out to his car, just walked to his car, got in his car and went to his residence about a half mile down the road, knowing that somebody would get his plate and, and, and ultimately somebody did get his plate. Uh, sure. I was in patrol, me, another guy on my squad and our sister sergeant at the time, uh, pulled up. I'm like, Hey, there were already officers on scene. I'm going to respond to the the address to see if the car is there. And the three of us walked through the parking lot, saw the car. He stood up from behind the car and immediately started shooting at us. So he was there and, and we got into shooting. It turned out to be fatal. And he had everything in his house 
documented as to why he did what he did and he was unhappy. And so initially I was, I couldn't, I can understand why he would put us in this situation. Why are you bringing me into this? Because he was this, too chicken to do it uh, himself. So that, I was trying to figure that. And I and then immediately started worrying about my wife and my my in-laws. Now, my wife's uh, devout Catholic. My in-laws are devout Catholic, Hispanic. You know, that's, that's just how it's going to be. And I started worrying about my mother-in-law and how she would respond because of the commandment is correct that yes yes with that? i was like how is she and this it still gets me emotional to this day i was i was like how is she going to respond to the fact that i just took somebody's life mm-hmm. and you know i'm like oh my gosh you know is she gonna love me less is she is she gonna have problems being around me i i just didn't have any idea how how it was going to affect her or my wife. I called my wife, you know, she was supportive and she was obviously upset and, and it was the first time we'd gone through it. And, and, uh, ultimately, you know, I went to my in-laws house that later that it was a long day or night or, but the following day I went to my in-laws and saw my mother-in-law and my father-in-law who were a hundred percent supportive. And, you know, it, it, I was relieved to see sure. that that didn't affect her in the way that I thought it might. Sure. Um, so, and then I just, uh, like I said, it was about three or four or five months. I went back to work too soon. Uh, I went to the psychologist, you know, three days. I, my boss, my commander at the time told me, take a couple weeks off, mm-hmm. real supportive. He's like, Hey, take two weeks off, spend time with your family. Um, you know, make sure you're right when you come back. Absolutely. Well, I had heard through the rumor rumorville that, another officer on my sister squad who had been on for probably 15 or 20 years at the time. And I'd only been on the street for a couple of years was making comments that why wasn't Eddie back to work? Is he a pussy or, or, or what's, you know, why, who'd never been involved in anything. What's, what's wrong with him? Why isn't he, is he not man enough to come back to work? And so I heard that and immediately told Laura, I got to go back to work tomorrow. And she's like, I thought you were going to be off for another week and a half. And I'm like, I got to go back to work. I can't have people talking people shit, talking about, shit about me, you know, and sure. that I'm not right. Sure. And so I went back to work and immediately, as soon as I got there, going to calls, I was mm-hmm. agitated. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was not in the right frame of mind and, really and uh, I was definitely on edge. And luckily I was, I had good friends on my squad who were in my academy class. You know, they weren't even assigned to my call. They would show up on my call just to make sure, sure. hey, we got to show up on his call and make sure he's okay and, you know, he doesn't, you know, lose his mind or anything goofy. And and uh, so they helped me through. And, and eventually over, you know, four, five months, it kind of faded away and I started feeling like my normal self again. Um, Back so, then, did they make you requal again oh yeah, before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you came back, you had to requal. That was the first and, thing you had yeah, to Okay. Yeah. Um, Do you remember having issues on the range? Not that I remember. Okay. No, uh, not that I can recall anyways. Uh, so so the, the first shooting, you know, it, was, it took me a while. Uh, my second shooting was Lieutenant Shoehounder's shooting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I could, we could have a whole podcast on that night right. just by itself. Okay, the whole pursuit, mm-hmm. uh, my involvement in that pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um what happened up there, what happened during the trials. And I mean, it's, I mean, that could be 
a week of podcasts, I'm sure. What year was that? That was uh, 2010. It was January 28, 2010. Okay, before I got out here. Okay. And you were still patrol? Or no, I were... was. I had left patrol and I was in the gang unit. Okay. So, and that shooting, when it happened, I was in, we were, it was me and two other gang detectives, good friends of mine. We were in our office writing reports at Central. Mm -hmm. um, and that shooting, that shooting happened at Val Vista and and uh, baseline oh wow but it came out over the radio that an officer had been shot a gilbert officer had been shot and you know everybody like jumps up and like hey we're, I, I, we're going we're going you know and uh ultimately got in the car and and hauled ass got on the 60 and then before i know it i'm in the middle of this pursuit and before i know it i'm behind the target vehicle you know so it was a great story but uh, ultimately there was a lot of zigging and zagging and, and a whole lot of shenanigans and, and we get Air support up. Um, initially, yes, but the weather was terrible. It actually rained on us in the pursuit. It snowed on us. It went away. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. Did y'all leave here and go to flags? Yeah, almost. We were at the top of the world. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. By, the pursuit, yeah. the pursuit Beyond was, superior to yeah, really? the pursuit was probably an hour long. Yeah. It uh, probably went on for maybe 35, 40 miles. It's crazy. <clears throat> I mean, I, I got the record. about snow and yeah. the yeah, sure. <laughs> I got the record as the fastest car in the pursuit by DPS doing 133 miles an hour twice. So Jeez. I thought I was going to get in trouble for that, but I didn't. <laughs> Today, they, they you made the, Today you would. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, I got a little plaque. It was it was awesome. But um, <laughs> so being in that shooting, I, I, I quickly realized right after that shooting that your mind and i obviously learned this better over the years the you know your mind needs something to kind of fall back on and look back and say hey we've been here before yeah. kind of know what to do here now and in that shooting my first shooting i was so tunnel visioned i was so i i was so slow motion in my first shooting i could see the slide on my handgun going back and forth and I can see the the round casing. the casing being ejected in the air and just flipping through just the flipping through the air. Didn't I, look like beer cans I couldn't, like others have described. No, I couldn't hear any rounds going off. Sure. And the only round I did hear go off was my buddy's round. He was shooting an AR, which actually woke me up and then it went right back to close again. So my mind completely shut down on that first shooting. On the sure. second shooting, I had none of that. It was it was, you know, clear as day. I could hear everybody talking. You know, it was like, you know, it was just like it was happening. Uh, you know, the shooting happened afterwards. You know, I was super calm and, you know, I just understood how everything had just happened. And, and, uh, but how know. much of that do you kind of <clears throat> credit the fact that there's a pursuit? There's, you know, an officer's been shot. Um, so there's more preparation time versus you walking up on a car and yeah, the guy pops yeah. up. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. That I'm sure it made a big difference. The first shooting, I was we were completely ambushed. Absolutely. You know, we were yeah. ambushed, and and I could hear rounds. You know, and in the second shooting, and he was shooting at us also, so I could also hear rounds. But it was you had already, I had already. It was funny. We were in, we got on the freeway initially and got involved in this. My partner, who's sitting in the passenger seat. I also had another detective in the backseat of my Crown Vic. And you're running 133. In I the would cage. be screaming. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a God. We got to have that podcast. It's a great story. We can do that. We yeah, need to do that. Yeah. That's a that's a 
Fabulous. Can we get anybody yeah. else involved? Yeah. Could that be yeah. a fun one yeah. to get a couple I, other yeah. people? Yeah, I could probably get I could probably okay. get both involved, if okay. not one of them for sure. But, okay, we'll do that. But uh, anyways, when we got involved in, on the freeway, there was probably forty or fifty police cars in front of us, and all with their lights day? on. What it was probably ten o'clock at night. Okay, maybe yeah, between nine or ten o'clock. That's more dramatic so it was dark, than the dark, right. yeah. and it was just filled. It was a sea of police cars, all going code three. Um, and my partner is sitting next to me. He's like, Hey, he grabs my arm. He's like, he's like, he's like, no, he, he, I thought he would say that, but he's, he grabs my arm. He's like, look, man, we're so far back in this. He's like, we're not going to be involved in any of the nonsense that's going to happen when this thing finally stops. He's like, so just don't kill us. Okay. And he sees that as another challenge. He's like, he's like, dared me. Yeah. He's like, just don't kill us. I look at him. I'm like, you know, I've been a driving instructor for 15 years. Driving was my thing. You know, I'm like, Hey man, I'm not going to kill you in the the car. I'm going to die at some point in my life, but it's not going to be driving a car. You know, I said, don't worry, I'm not going to kill you, you know? And, and so I kind of took that as like, oh, you think we're far back? So, so ultimately, Here, hold my beer. during this whole pursuit, and I won't get into the story. It's a great story. But ultimately, after this pursuit comes to a conclusion, when he runs out of gas, it's me and one other mace officer right behind his car or right behind the truck. And we wind up, he jumps out, starts shooting at us, and we get in a big shooting at the top of the world. And I look at him like, yeah, we're not going to get involved in this. Huh? And he's like, yeah. he's like, all right. Yeah. He's like, yeah, Maybe that was my, my bad on that one. You know, I'm like, yeah. So, you know, but yes, you're right. We had plenty of time. You know, we, we all knew, I mean, he had shot, we were behind him going through the tunnel past superior, yeah. you know, he had shot at us there. You knew the likelihood that it was going to turn out. Yes. Bad. Yeah. Yes. This guy yeah. wasn't Not just going to yeah. suddenly yeah. stop yeah. and yeah. get out of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and right. when he did slow down, I was like, he just kind of started slowing down. And I told my partner, I'm like, Hey, he's running out. to me. It, he's running out of gas. So sure. let's start preparing what's going to happen. And it didn't even come to a stop. He jumped out and then started shooting away. So we, you know, we knew, Hey, this is going to get in a gun battle and, yep. and, and it's time to, you know, have, you know, it's time to get on. So, but after that one, I, you know, I didn't have any of the, the feelings that I had for my first one. I felt fine. I, you know, and I had, again, I've always been surrounded by good bosses. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boss was like, Hey, take a couple, this is your second one. Yep. This is your, you know, most people don't get into in their career. So he's like, take some time with your family make sure your family's good. I'm like, absolutely. My, my whole, it was always important. It wasn't so I wasn't looking out for my well being. I'll be 100% honest. I was never in any of my shootings concerned about my well-being. I was always concerned about my wife's and my daughters sure. and my in-laws. Um, so I was well, like, yes. you knew now how they will respond. Yes, yeah. But now you've got a daughter. Yeah, so back then she was still, you know, she was still young. Uh, too young. That one, she was still too young to understand or know what was going on. Uh, but, you know, I, was, I still wanted to make sure Laura was okay and, and my in-laws were okay. And after a couple weeks, I went back to work. There was no more talking shit from anybody, you know. It's like, you sure. know. Uh, was, did Laura ever talk about you going back and being a respiratory therapist? No, no, <laughs> yeah. She just, I think it was, she's like, hey, you know, this is two. That's enough, you know. I'm like, I get it, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, it's enough. Not like I'm you know, trying yeah, to do it's this. Like, that's what I keep telling her. I'm like, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not putting myself in this spot. And Tell it's, the guys it's, to stop uh, challenging yeah. me yeah. from being it's, in the back of the line. Yeah, it, it, it's, mm. it, it. I'm not trying to 
put myself yeah. in that spot driving 130. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, correct. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm but not I'm good at. <laughs> but I'm not gonna. Yeah, but I'm not gonna yeah. sit back and let right. things happen yeah, either. You, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, sure. you know, for me, it was my responsibility to get up there and 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 right. take action and. And uh, so she, she's like, hey, you know, this is too enough already. I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, enough. You know, I'm like, Pfft. you know, I've, I've been on the department for, that was, that's how I've been on the department for 10 years. That was my second shooting. You know, that, you know I got another 10 years to go. Pfft. Chances you know, of this happening. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I was still uh, the psychologist that they sent us to, even after that one, he was, he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, I, I enjoyed talking to him and, and he made me feel better. Uh, and I did, I think I did see him for a little bit after the first one and he was helpful, but it just, again, it just took some time to kind of adjust and. Did the department ever offer it to Laura? No. And, and ultimately farther down the road here, this is where Laura will be like, Hey, you know, you guys are sticking it to the wives here. Cause, yes. um, and they ultimately, you know, did, they could go to a debrief or our debrief, right. but they couldn't participate in our debrief. Right. So they had, which is understandable, sure. but they would have like the spouses in another room, yes. you know, with each other and talking for two hours while this debrief went on. And that was it. You guys go home and, and I'm not and, even sure uh, that that's done anymore. No, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I, I honestly don't think so. So, um, sadly. So, yeah. So the second one, you know, I was like, Hey, I felt great. I took two weeks off. I went back when I wanted to go back and, and uh, I didn't have any of the, the drama that I had after my first shooting. You know, I'm like, no, they're okay. afraid of you. Now. Well, the guys, yeah. they ain't gonna talk smack so, now. So yeah, so it, uh, you know, it, I felt, you know, and I felt like I handled myself better. Um, well, plus you're out of patrol. Yeah. And yeah. you're in and, a unit that gets it. Yes, and 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 I won't say it. Uh, I'll say it, and you guys want to take it out, you can take it out. Um, no, we will. Um, I always, when I would teach a class, I always said something and the people I was teaching to understood this, the managers and the supervisors would always cringe when I say this. And, and I have to, when I say it, I have to follow that up with what I mean by this. Okay. Okay. Um, shooting people gets easier the more you do it. Okay. And when you say that, you know, the supervisors are like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah. is he, is he saying that it's easier and, and, and you know, and he, and he likes doing this right. and this is something he enjoys doing now. No. And I'm sure military can speak on this even more because yes. they deal with this every day. Yes. You're, you know, that's not what I mean when I say that it, it, it gets easier, the more you do it, everything gets easier, the more you do sure. it. You know, every time I pit somebody out was easier because I'd done it 2000 sure. times and you know, you, whatever you do, the more you practice at it, the better you get at it, the, you know, the better you understand everything that goes along with it. And that's also part of shooting people or getting involved in shootings. Sure. Um, so, you know, as soon as I would say that, you know, the supervisor would be like, oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe just, said, just that. said that in front of a big group of students. And I'm like, hey, people need to understand that you, you when you go through this the first time, your body is going to react. It may not, but your body may react in a way similar that mine did. Sure. And you just aren't mentally ready for something like that. But if you happen, and I say happen, to get involved into it a second time or a third or, in my case, seven times, you you become 
I hate to say it, but you become better at it. You become better at adjusting. You become sure. better at, right. at dealing so with you surroundings. You things Correct. Better. You know, you're more aware of, you know, the shootings that I got into after that, I was aware of my surroundings. Yes. I was aware of what was going on with the shooting, aware of where people were. Sure. You don't put people in crossfire because you're thinking about, you know, what you're doing and, sure. and you make better decisions. You become proficient at your trade. Yes. Right. And, and this yes. is, you know, and, and, and I think you also have to, cause it's the other thing we talk about a lot is it isn't the officers shooting and killing somebody that is the issue. Um, a lot of times it's because someone else got hurt or killed that they feel like they should have or could have prevented. Yeah. I assume this Lieutenant died from Gilbert. Yes, he did. And so, that's where the focus now goes is to that yeah. and not so much what y'all had to do. Yeah. And so it does, it changes the dynamic of it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, um, you know, so, and every shooting from that point on, you know, I, I, again, I was in gangs, I got in that shooting and then shortly thereafter I went to narcotics, uh, a call came out right by the station. The detective I was working with at the time, we were putting evidence away and one of our evidence lockers, we hear the, call come out a guy with an ak shooting rounds off in the air at a trailer park a half a mile from our station i'm you know i'm sorry but i'm gonna go to that you know i mean i you know i don't know where the other officers are and and uh, so we went and as we're walking out the door i'm like hey you know he had never been in a shooting before i said you know there's a good chance that this is going to end in a shooting you know Mm -hmm. just going to a scene like this kind of was trying to tell him hey Mentally get, get your head around right. what might happen here in a few minutes, you know, and because I had already been through it twice, you know. Um, Did sure you enough, ever go to a training called Mental Preparation for Armed Confrontation by Jim Crotty? I, I might have. Do I don't I one? don't remember okay. for sure. Because that's, that's part of what he used to yeah. teach about. Yeah. That, you know, you, you got to prepare people for it. And that's yeah. what you're doing with yeah. this guy that's. And sure enough, we know we get in the car, go down the street, walk up. You know, the guy, there was already a few officers on scene, uh, you know, trying to talk him, you know, to come out of this little trailer he was in. And he's kind of peeking out and ultimately goes in. We had set up to the side. He goes in, grabs the AK, comes out and, you know, starts, you know, just about to start shooting. And then he gets shot. Um, Our shooting takes place. He doesn't die, but, um, you know, so... It was, and that the same thing with that shooting. I was aware of what was going on, you know, made sure everybody was okay around me and, and, uh, you know, made sure my partner was okay. It was his first shooting, you know, he handled himself great. And, and, and so every shooting from that point on, it was always, I would like to think that my bosses at the time, you know, knew that, Hey, you know, he's been in these situations. Um, we had several officers on our task force that were, you know, involved in multiples and, sure. and, it's good to be surrounded by people that have proven themselves to handle themselves good in those situations and make good decisions. And, and, uh, you feel good. You're like, Oh yeah, I'm in a spot where I'm taking the worst people on the planet off the street. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I know I can make good decisions when it comes time to dealing with these individuals and, and how to deal with these individuals. I know what to expect. Yeah. And at that initially you have the support of the department and, and, you know, you're, you know, the department's like, man, you guys are awesome at what you do and, and we love you to death for what you're doing. And yeah. it's not until that changes that, you know, when that does change, then that's when things start to spiral in the wrong direction. Right. Yeah. How many of your seven were fatal? 
the first one, two wasn't, three wasn't, the fourth one, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Okay. So, yeah. Um, the others that were not fatal, what? how did they wind up? What were they being charged with? And um, The guy with the AK, uh, he lost both his arms, and he was seriously messed up, but wound up... Uh, I mean, he got charged with ag assault and all kinds of different things. I, I'm not sure how much time he served, but I'm, I'm sure he's still in prison. Any attempt day. on law enforcement? Did they charge him I'm that I'm sure way? they did, yeah, because okay. he pulled the AK out on all, all the police that were standing sure. there. So, um, The second shooting was the Shoehounder shooting. So they both, uh, the driver got 118 years, and the shooter got life, and he was already— Oh, there were two in the car. Yeah, so there was a driver— it was a truck. There was a driver and the passenger. The passenger okay. was the ultimate shooter. He, we found out later, but he had already killed somebody a few weeks earlier in Globe. And so when he got stopped by the lieutenant, um, he was under the impression That's that, hey, man, this this is going to go bad. So um, he fired around and hit uh, Lieutenant Chandler in the face, uh, ultimately killing him. So... When we got him, we ult- we just had his trial last year. I mean, he spent ten years, almost ten years, in at uh, county waiting for his trial, and um, wow, uh, speedy trial. Yeah, it was super yeah. awesome. It was both those trials were just. I mean, it felt like I went, you know, twelve rounds with Tyson. I mean, I just every day came home just completely, you know, being I was on the stand at this last trial for two days. Uh, and it was just brutal. That's yeah. the criminal justice reform I want to see happen. Because mm-hmm. I have a fear of the same thing happening with the piece of shit that killed Chris Farrar. Yeah. That yeah. I will Man. never in my lifetime at age 62 see him get what he deserves. Yeah. Um, because the system tends to drag it out so long. I think in hopes of officers no longer being alive to testify or remember enough detail yeah. to plan enough doubt and yeah. all kinds of crap. Of course, now we have body cams and all that yeah. other stuff. But to me, that's something it's, it's too hard on the families yeah. to have to continue for yeah. year oh, after and, year and after year to after see, year. you know, she Hunter's family, great, absolute wonderful family. Yes. You know, as kids, uh, you know, the Gilbert staff who was really close with him sure. um, to, to, to see them go through both trials and especially to wait as long as they had to wait for the shooter's trial. Um, and then to see that, to be, you know, they were all there for the trial and, and to see that whole. Yeah, there's just, no closure. Yeah, it was. For years and years. And the trial was, it was, he made a mess of it intentionally, you know. Sure. He threatened the dredge every morning. So every morning they had to excuse, put him in a room next to the courtroom. But then he would bang on the walls. And so they had to move him four floors down. And um, wow. so, I mean, he just made a. And it just, I mean, it just was brutal on the family. Yeah. You know, I don't, I mean, he's got great kids. They're doing really well. And I commend them for, for, you know, just Sticking somehow moving forward and, and getting through it. And, and yeah, let's plan do. that podcast in January. Is So, you know, we need to keep these, these heroes and warriors yeah. memories yeah. alive, yeah. Right. honoring them by telling the whole story of yeah. what happened, because yeah. I think. Too many in the public today with all their defund crap. Um, they don't remember that these are human beings with families and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So let's definitely, we'll get yeah. that one scheduled yeah. so the audience knows to listen for that in January yeah. or February yeah. as soon as y'all are available yeah. to yeah. do that. 
yeah, the, my partner, he still works for Mesa, but he's available, you know. Good. Whenever. 